Welcome to the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign. I'm the young Grognard, and my friends and I will be playing in some bonus quests for this campaign. Quests outside of the typical virtuous and heroic nature of our usual adventurers. Let's meet these villains now. I'm Anthony. I'm going to be playing Baro Rahal, the human oathbreaker. I'm Ryan. I'm going to be playing Vasturge Olague, the human wizard. I'm Jared. I'm going to be playing Bendarshi, the bugbear rogue. And now, let's see what sorts of evil they have in store for our heroes. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the Young Grognar, kicking it to you live with another episode from the Beckons of the Herald of Steel side campaign with our wonderful, uh, delectable, evil villainous characters uh, for the Pure of Heart quest, the side quest. Hopefully, the finale to this quest, our uh, not-so-brave, not-so-heroic heroes uh, have made their way deep within the spell sanctum on their quest to retrieve the wonderful artifact known as the Heart of Athmanes. Uh Athmanes being the goddess of gemstones and sort of like uh, they're in fact also kind of the goddess of magic for to a certain extent. Um, but this magical artifact is requested by some sort of a very high paying and mysterious patron. Uh, our group of mercenaries got this job as well as a fat paycheck on the way for completing this task. Along the way, traveling, they have had run-ins with refugees from Glenton Gabora, survivors from the Reign of Terror that happened uh, due to our friend the uh, Herald of Steel. Uh, our party made it um, to the town of Mosren with an accomplice known as Erlade, a young upstart hero who's hoping to learn something from, uh, quote unquote, heroes of the realm, similar to those from the uh, main campaign. Um, Erlade joins them as they go to speak with the mayor of Mosren, who explains to them that the Tome Guard, the sort of magical uh, knights, I guess if you want to call them that, protectors of magics, um, they have the spell sanctum in the town of Mosren, which works as sort of like a super library, but it's outside the jurisdictions of Mosren, outside of the jurisdictions of the queen herself, and operates in its own unique and annoying way. Vesturch, being the wonderful person that he is, manages to talk the mayor into giving him a certain agreed-upon writ of passage in order to enter the spell sanctum to find what they need uh, after talking the mayor into it, playing on the fact that the mayor is a good mayor and certainly should not be, uh, you know, underneath the pressures of those silly knights of the Tome Guard. The party make it to the spell sanctum where they talk with the captain of the guard, Tharnasgari, and Vesturch manages to bewitch the man, and using a spell of suggestion, tells him to basically give him the thumbs up the right away to go into the inner workings of the spell sanctum to find that artifact. But I guess the uh, the fine terms that we had, the terms and conditions that uh, the captain Tharnasgari didn't read, was he was to help them find what they needed or something like that. Something very vague and problematic. I remember that much. But on their way through the Spell Sanctum, the party had run-ins with Umber Hulks, strange statues, traps, and the like. Uh, ending with the very fancy and very awful uh, trap 
system, the super trap, as it were, um, where the laser light show of the hearts and everything uh, seemed to prevent the party from making their way into the innermost chamber of the spell sanctum. Um, but now, after having survived the lasers, the hearts, and the spookiness of the uh, sort of chamber of Athmanes here, the party stand at the crystal doors that lead to the final and innermost chamber to the... Uh, layer of, I suppose, the heart of Athmanes. So the party stand there at the gate and, or at the doors rather, and Erlaid looks at this door with a look of determination and he points at it and he looks back at Vesturch, Bendarshi, and Barrow and says, well, this is what it's all been about, right? This is where the adventure ends, right? Well, not ends, but I don't know. Are you ready? Indeed, if we are lucky, our prize, that which might save all of us, is beyond the store. Ready and waiting. That the captain, in a very robotic way, just kind of nods his head a couple times and says, I am blessed to see such a place, but let us be brief about it. And with that, he sort of walks over and grabs onto the two doors and slides them open with ease. And as they slide open, before you, you see a chamber that's about 60 feet by 60 feet. It's a sort of like the inside of like an amethyst, kind of like one of those geode kind of looking like sort of circular kind of pod sort of shaped chambers. But the walls are all adorned with various chunks of sharpened crystal that all kind of hum and glow and rainbow scintillating patterns in a sort of rhythmic humming. Uh, in the heart of the chamber, the direct middle, is a podium that has a red gemstone sitting upon it that seems to be just about the size of a fist. Behind this podium is a giant mass of rock and crystal that seems to glob up out of the ground like a pile of refuse. This pile, however, seems to scintillate light from its source and seems to reflect into all the different crystals around the chamber. As the door opens up, you feel a waft of air come towards you that feels like not like one single living being has been in this chamber for hundreds of years. And as you feel this come towards you, you also feel a strange, unnerving sense that kind of racks each of you to your soul. But it doesn't seem like this bothers Erlaid or the captain to any extent. Like, neither of them seem chilled by this, but you guys all look like you just got hit with a very cold breeze. They all just, like, walk like nothing happened. Perhaps, so. uh, Erlaid, me and Bendarshi and Barrow will wait out here while you claim the first prize. I think you've earned it coming this far. So at this point, Erlade kind of looks confused and he says, well, I mean, what if this is a trap? Everything up to this point has been sort of a trap. Surely Bendarshi is better trained for this kind of thing than myself. Unless you think I'd be better at this. Hmm. Well, I think now more than ever is the chance for you to prove your bravery you showed quite a bit of it back there in that test with those lasers but i don't want to see you falter now if you want bendarshi to take the glory that's fine <laughs> 
well, this was never about my glory. This was all just so I could, I could learn. So I suppose if this is something of a learning situation, then I, I, I could do that. So with that, he turns and looks at the captain and the captain gives him a nod and the captain slowly follows after him as the two of them walk into the room and the ground kind of echoes and crunches with the sound of like tons of little bits of crackling debris upon their feet as if the whole room's covered in like finely broken glass. And as they walk closer and closer into the chamber, that giant pile of stone on the floor behind the red glowing gem in the middle begins to move around and the sound as if like an ocean of glass and stone seeming to like lurch around on itself starts to rattle, crunch and shimmer as a giant golem like form seems to form from the mass of it. At this point, early looks back to you guys and he falters and the captain looks at his one opportunity and rushes up to grab onto the stone. And when he goes to grab up onto the stone, that whole podium pulls back into the pile that the golem is forming into. And the captain stands at the foot of what could only be described as a 15 foot tall mass of lurching gemstones and crystals pulsing with that red stone in its heart. So we're going to roll for initiative right now, as it seems the heart of Athmanes has taken its root inside of a very terrifying crystalline golem. That seems unfair. That does seem unfair. Same. So, Erlade got a 20. And the captain got a 15. Uh, Erlade and the captain are doing well. Uh, Barrow got a 13. Darcy got an 18. And research got okay. a nine. Okay, so it's gonna go um, Erlade, Bendarshi, the Golem, and then the uh, Captain Barrow v- Vesturch. Right, a lot of names. Okay, oh, wouldn't that the wait? Did I say the Captain twice? Yeah, Erlade goes first, right? No, yes. wait, hold on. Yeah, okay, okay. So that, yeah, Erlade, seeing an opportunity here, looking at you guys and seeing the room start to come to life before him, he pulls out his crossbow from his back, quickly loads it, and tries to launch a single crossbow bolt up at this giant swarming mass. And as he does... Oh, no... Got <laughs> a fumble. So with that, as he does, he shoots off. It hits the wall, and it seems to like spring off of one of the crystals on the wall and goes skittering around the room. Now remember, his crossbow turns the bolts into pure forms of fire, like actual fire bolts. So this fire bolt just kind of ricochets around the room a couple times before landing and sizzling upon the floor. He looks terrified, looks back at you guys, and starts running back to the entrance of the room. Because he was about 30 feet in, he runs back to the mouth of it 30 feet back. So, next is the Bendarshi. So, this did this form in the room they went into or out with us? It's in the the room that they went into. Okay, um...
I guess I'm just gonna shoot at it. <laughs> okay. I'm sure nothing bad could ever happen from this. Nothing to worry about. Oh, perfect. What'd you get? 20, 25 to hit? Okay, that's a hit. Seven damage. Say seven damage? Yep. Okay, so as uh, your single... Uh, what was it, a bolt or an arrow? Uh, arrow. Okay. As it goes flying up, it smashes into the corner of its head, and a single piece of crystal goes flying off and shatters on the ground. Again, like a glass bottle falling on concrete on the floor. Um, but it seems like this does very little to do anything to affect this thing, as shingles of this glass and crystal just seem to keep falling off of it as it keeps moving around the room anyway, to the point you wonder if your weapon even did anything at all. Did you have anything else you wanted to do? Um, I will move 10 feet away from everyone else to the left. So farther into the chamber with the lasers? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. I just don't want us all to be stacked. Yeah. In case. There's nothing that, nothing bad could happen from that. Um, and so now it's going to go to the golem. So since the only person in the room with him at this point is Erlaid, this thing just immediately starts charging up to him and starts uh, swinging with one of its massive crystalline claws. All right, early ain't got a chance uh, against it, this one. Uh, does it come within a uh, 10-foot reach of Barrow? Why, are you going to deflect it or something? Uh, no, uh, because I have the feat that lets me take attacks of opportunity against creatures that enter my reach, and I'm fighting with a pole arm. So, I so you I only cared about attack. this so that... Okay. I want, no. I, I want to know if I can take my attack of opportunity. Yeah, of course <coughs> I can. Uh, but that's a fumble, so 100% miss. I sure as hell did not fumble on mine. Uh, so with that, this golem just winds up, swings, and smacks Erlade. And as Erlade goes flying to like the corner uh, by the door, he slams to the wall, and you can see he's bleeding from like a dozen different puncture wounds as he just got hit with like a morning star of a fist. And as this thing stands in the doorway, um, you can see the light within it start to shimmer and swirl. And all the crystals start to vibrate and hum, aimed at everybody in the doorway, except for Bendarshi, who's not exactly in the doorway anymore. Oh. And as it does, the lights begin to turn a bright orange color, and the lights refract from all points on here, and everybody in that open doorway is going to take acid damage. Uh, I'm going to need a dexterity saving throw. Nine. Three, 14. And then... Oh, wait. Um, uh, mine's actually a 12 because I've got that plus three aura. Um, so Vesturge also gets a plus three. Yeah, I added mine. Or I added it to mine. 
Okay. So with that, um, the 12 from Barrow and the captain both fail on it. Everybody else passes. So with that, um, you guys take 16 points of acid damage. If you took, if you succeeded, you take half. So that is not looking good for Erlade. Erlade looks to be bloodied and dying. Which one? Is he bloodied or is he dying? First one, then the other. <laughs> okay. And now... Uh, it goes to uh, El Capitan. Oh, wait, no. What did Barrow get? Barrow got a 15, right? On the initiative? I don't remember now. It was like a 13, I think. <laughs> okay, then it goes to the captain. That's what I thought. Um, okay, so with that, the captain, uh, seeing an opportunity here, says, uh, I think we may be uh, outmatched at this point. And with that, he holds up his hands. You begin to smell the air take on a very dry and crackling kind of energy. And a lightning bolt arcs from his hands directly into this thing. But for one nightmarish moment, you see the look on the captain's face as if like realizing some massive blunder in his decision here. As when he goes to cast this spell the reflective lights on the crystals seem to already reflect some of the beginning like light of the lightning bolt. And as he goes to cast this, he can tell that some of it may be reflecting his spell back at him. So as the uh, <laughs> lightning bolt cracks off between his hands and goes flying into the beast, it takes full damage. And there's a sigh of relief from the captain as this happens. Um, and with that... This thing takes 10. Cool. All right. 22 points of damage. All right. And with that, he starts to run away, uh, run away as well and takes an attack of opportunity as this strange crystal golem swings in at him as well. And it hits. Dealing. The captain also looks to be pretty wounded. Bloodied, some may say. Uh, now it goes to Barrow. Okay. Uh, Barrow is going to close whatever distance uh, there is between him and the creature. And only starts five feet. swinging. Hmm? You only had five feet. Ooh, okay, or ten feet, I, I guess, because the reach weapon. So uh, so as long as as I can hit it, uh, I'm going to take my attacks. Let's see. That is a a 23 to hit. And a 9 to hit. Uh, The 23 definitely hits. Uh, That's going to be 17 points of slashing damage. Damn. Okay. So oh, as you swing in, that's, that's actually twenty. I have a plus. I specifically have a plus three bonus to damage. Not everybody else. Is this is this a magic weapon? Um, no. It is a normal glaive. Okay. So as you swing in at it with all the force that you have behind you, 
you recognize that it's not as much force as one might need in order to crack through this. Using a different kind of weapon might work better than this. It's not ineffective, but not as effective. Okay, um, uh, so and, Maro uses his bonus action to spin around the glaive and hit the, gole- the golem with the butt of it uh, for a 14 to hit. That is not enough. Okay, uh, so Barrow is going to turn to Vestert. You want to tell me what we're dealing with here? Mm, let me take a look. Is it Vestert's turn? Yeah, uh, actually, that, it is. That is my actual. Unless. Okay. Um, am I allowed to make a Arcana check or something to try and figure out what this creature is? Is that going yeah, to most be definitely. my? Is that going to be my whole action? No, I won't do that to you. Thank you. That's a sixteen. Yeah, I mean, very clearly, it's some kind of golem, but this kind of golem looks to be so specially made with the materials that it's made out of being just pure crystals and gemstones. It seems like this sort of thing is kind of one in a million. So uh, judging by that, all you can really go off of is what you know about golems. You can tell that this thing definitely has magically reflective properties. So being hit with certain magical attacks may have an instance where they'll just come flinging back at the group, which is why it seemed like the captain was so terrified. You could tell from the scintillating colors within it changing that the magical force of the heart of Athmanes within inside this thing may be enough to sort of like project different sorts of forms of matter, like the acid, fire, whatever from it. Um, and I suppose lastly, you can tell something like this probably has magical resistances, but the overall brittle nature of this thing does mean that it's probably not as like, how do I say this, survivable as one might expect it to be. It just seems, I don't want to use a kind of a joke here and say it's a glass cannon, but you know, no pun intended. Great. Okay. Um, it seems to be a golem of some type, but it might be able to reflect magical attacks, as our dear captain seemed to have noticed. Besides that, it seems to be using the heart itself to manifest powers that allow it to expunge elementary attacks. Watch out for those. Uh, Barrow, you might have some trouble with this one if your weapon is not enchanted in any way. Duly noted. Uh, okay. I'm gonna cast... Let's just... Let's test its decks. Yeah. I'll cast Grease directly beneath it. <laughs> so it's gonna make a DC 16 deck save. Immediately? Yeah. Whack. No, I got a five. Nice. It falls prone. So this giant lumbering mass of crystals and rocks hits the grease spot beneath you. I like how much of a Sturch's voice is like so like <laughs> the whole time. This thing is just like just the incredible Hulk made of Yeah, just walking and then, like, then he just like, <laughs> he's like just I don't want it. A maple syrup. Yeah. He doesn't want it to spit back at him, so he's like, I'll just make it fall down. <laughs> 
So with that, the thing slips under its own weight and just crashes, shaking the stone around you guys and sending a bunch of the crystals inside the chamber to the ground with a crash. That should help you and Bendarshi. Very well. Um, And I believe that is all I can do. Give me one second. Oh, let me try and extract this thing's name. Uh, Can it make a DC 16 wisdom save? Sure hope so. Is this a spell-like ability? Uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, technically, you discern that this magic failed, so I guess it's technically magical. Yeah. So I need a 16? Yeah. It failed. Okay. The target's charmed by me, and you mentally learn the charm target's name or the fact that the target lacks a name. Does it have a name? I mean, its name would have to be something... Like a uh, like a um a Terran word, but the being is immune to being charmed. Okay. Do I so, still get its name though? Yeah, I'd definitely it's... give you its name, but it's just okay. As, I, being as, long, as long as I have its name, that's all I need. So yeah, its voice sounds like the sounds of you grinding your teeth in a very painful way. It's funny because I don't. Pebbles skitter down mountainside. What language would it be? Terran. Oh, is that an actual language you can get in 5th edition for characters? You know, I I would imagine so, just because I don't know what else language they would have. Do they just call that primordial, isn't it? I think it's primordial now. Primordial is a a separate thing um yeah. where you can kind of get the gist of the specific elemental languages but yeah the elemental languages are still their own things i think so because i remember seeing aquin on a couple different ones but yeah aquin are and ignan and i love ignan i don't know why ignan is just such a dumb word but just ignan <laughs> but anyway okay so, uh, if that's it for Vesturch, who learns uh, the uh, pebbles rolling inside, like Vesturch is definitely going to move out of the thing's line of sight. Like, if it's still on the other side of that doorway, which I think it is, he is just gonna cross the wall because he has no business being anywhere near this thing. Okay, so you rush over with the captain and Bendarshi, who are on the other side of the wall, yeah. and all you guys are just sitting there, backs pressed against the wall, heaving chest, just like, "All right, so we need to agree, we're not going back out there." Meanwhile, fucking Erlade's getting pummeled into the earth, and Barrow's oh. just swinging on it. We might need to retcon some stuff. I forgot to roll a con save on my suggestion, uh, and it dropped when I took my acid damage because I got a nine out of the ten I needed. Well, I didn't call for it at the time, so I guess you're lucky on that one. Fuck yeah, yeah, gotta love it. Um, so that means at the top of the round, it actually goes to Erlade. So Erlade, seeing this thing fall to the ground, gets up as fast as he can and scrambles out of there. How big was the grease spot? It's 10 feet, and I placed it so it was all underneath it. So it's not okay. like encroaching on Barrow or like any of the space around him. Okay, so Erlade manages to get himself up, and he runs into the room and jumps up on top of the stone altar and prepares another crossbow bolt, aims it at the target, and shoots it in at the crystalline creature. And ooh, dang, Erlade, 24. 
So early manages to land it shot. It's at disadvantage because he's prone. So (laughs) range range attacks are disadvantage (laughs) against prone targets, no matter how big they are. Doesn't make sense to me, but that's how it be. Well, okay. Erlade still manages to hit. So Fuck yeah, I dude. Think, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't get as good the second time, but that 15 plus a couple that did something. Um, okay. So with that, the critter already looks to be pretty well damaged based on the damage that's been done to it. I wouldn't say bloodied, but we're getting close. Um, and at this point, now it goes to Bendarshi. Uh, so Bendarshi you know ran out and hiding sees the surge come out and just like oh shit it just sprints back in to attack <laughs> and he's, he's rolling around in the slick of oil and he's like you know this looks like the Sturge's work <laughs> he's like oh it's this it's this combo i got this one <laughs> yeah just use full tool i'll try to run to the other side opposite of borrow i have 40 foot of move speed him. Okay. I can get there. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, and then I'm gonna attack it from hopefully. Yeah, I'll I'll be ten foot away because I have reach as well. I mean, it's prone, so you'd be able to sneak attack anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. But and and you have advantage because it's prone. Yep. Uh, twenty three to hit. That's good. What are you hitting it with? Uh, I'm hitting it with my rapier. Oh, okay. Naturally. Strange bugbear with a strange rapier. Yeah. A pokey stick. What's strange about the rapier? Uh, And that's going to be 19 damage. That was really fucking low damage. It is pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of ones. <laughs> well, do you get to do an additional attack? No, man, he's rogue. No way, yeah. Okay, very well. Um, so is that the end of Bendarshi's turn? I... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so all I that, can really do. The golem, okay, uh, the golem begins to stand up, and as it gains its footing again, stands up, and now with both Baro and Bendarshi within range, it starts to swing at both of you guys with big, heaping, heavy fists. Um, swinging in first at Baro. Oh, man, and, he has reach two. Yeah. With a 22, I believe I hit. Uh, yes, you do. So it swings in with its hefty paw and lands 12 points of damage on you. Bludgeoning, magical bludgeoning. And then last uh, swings in one claw in Advendarshi with a 26. I uh, imagine that hits you. Yeah, 26 hits. I'd hope so. And then deals 16 points of damage to Bendarshi. Okay, I'm an uncanny dodge to half that. 
Hey, that's its turn. So now the captain stands oh, there next to make another the deck save. Because <laughs> it didn't move out of the grease. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> I got a three. So the thing <laughs> on its overstepping swing slips and falls with a thud Just on the ground in between. Punches Bendarshi, which seems like it's going to be really hard. Bendarshi rolls with the punch, and it just slips in the grease. Bendarshi <laughs> takes a little damage, and the thing falls over again. I feel like that's the most roguish way a combat encounter can go in a turn. Yeah. But, um, so now the captain stands there next to Vesturch and says, well, what do you think I should do? I've never seen something like this before. Vesturch is terrified he's going to stab him. Uh, uh, well, um, if you know any supporting spells, perhaps you could lend aid to borrow or Bendarchi, or even our young Erlaid. With that, he uh, kind of looks confused back and forth, and he kind of shakes his head a couple times to you. And he jumps out from hiding again, and he sh- puts his hands together, pulls one back, and a green line is drawn between his hands. And a single green acidic arrow goes flying from his hand and goes flying towards the creature. Um, oh, no. Yeah, okay. the, so I didn't tell him to attack the creature. That was for sure. <laughs> well, I know. The captain only has so many spells, and he's like, Good idea, but also um, <laughs> so he, he fires in on it and the magical green arrow flings back at him from there and it barely misses him just by like a hair. Um, Research gives him a look. <laughs> the, the arrow manages to singe him with some of the acid, however, and he takes six points of damage from his own acid on this one and he lets out a groan of pain. Um, yeah, so that's his turn standing out in the open, going uh, and now it goes to borrow. Okay, uh, so borrow is going to start his turn, uh, with a mumbled prayer to the deceiver to cast magic weapon uh, as a bonus action upon his glaive. Oh, Valaketh, you know, he really has many purposes. So it glows in inky black and spider webs dangle from the end of it. Uh, and then he is going to uh, bring the weapon down upon the creature. Uh, at advantage now because it's prone and, and uh, he's flanking. Uh, 26 to hit, I assume. That is good enough. I sure fucking hope so. He's rolling around in mud. The the other attack is a 27 to hit, so uh, those are both good. I sure hope so. His AC scales every turn. (laughs) And... Uh, that's going to be a total of 27 points of magical slashing damage. And uh, he's also going to drop a first level spell slot to smite it uh, on that second attack. Actually. So let's see, that's two for another 12 radiant damage. Jesus. 
Okay. Yeah, this thing looks on the verge of being destroyed after being pummeled and unholyishly smote by black radiant energy there. Bonus action, bonus action to hit it with the pommel of my sword. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's another 26 to hit. That's a hit. Could you imagine you kill it with a bonus action? <laughs> Just like <laughs> uh, That's another 11 magical bludgeoning damage. Okay. Uh, 11 is enough to kill it. So as you smash at it, a few very furious and righteous smites, uh, aiming primarily for this thing's chest where the glowing radiant gemstone is in the center, um, you manage to crack what seems to be sort of like an encrusted layer that's been held together most strong out of all of it. Um, I'm going to need everybody except for Vesturch to hey. a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> 23. 23. Eleven. Okay. Okay. And then you have the uh, uh, Bendarshi has the ability to take no damage when you pass on the on a deck save, right? I believe so. Yeah. That feels roguey enough. I think you have that because six level. As Barrow smashes it, the thing explodes into shrapnel. And the shrapnel shreds into everybody around. Ooh, that was a good roll. Not great, but uh, yeah, 17 points of damage, um, piercing damage for everybody who doesn't pass. Um, so with that, the captain is shred to pieces, and he falls to the ground dead, bloody in a heap on the floor. What a shame. Erlade, yeah, Erlade is downed. And yeah, the glowing heart sits there in the center. Uh, Barrow is going to reach down and attempt to lift the glowing heart out from the pile of shrapnel. Yeah, the search will casually walk back into the room over the corpse uh, or over the unconscious body of Erlade and the corpse of uh, the captain to watch Barrow try and pull the heart out okay so as you as you reach in and begin to touch it holy christ that was a very unfair amount of damage um as you touch it you feel your fingers begin to turn to stone and basically like your bones themselves calcify and harden as you even come close to touching it and you immediately take 10 points of damage as you feel your hand begin to like surge with this like calcifying energy up your arm uh, yeah, but Barrow uh, withdraws with a sharp intake of breath. <sighs> the thing's cursed. Uh, Barrow, this may be the point where we need one of pure heart. Can you get the boy up? Uh, I think you're right. Uh, he uh, walks over. Uh, by the way, he fa he failed his constitution save to keep the spell up, so the glaive isn't spooky anymore. Um, Didn't he need uh, he walks over to Erlade uh, and gives him a uh, lay on hands for Two a single point. point, a single yeah, point of boy. <laughs> a single point? Yeah. Is that, is so that enough a, to bring him back up? 
Yeah, a very bloodied Erlade gasps in pain and he lurches forward, coughing, grabbing at his chest. And he looks to all three of you guys standing over him, bleeding to certain extents. And he just starts to like kind of smile a little bit to himself. And he says, I knew I could trust you guys. Man, how long was I out for? Not long, but Erlade, look at me. We... We were able to save you, but not the captain. And he turns to you guys and he says, well, he was just dead weight then, right? No, his life was precious. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> we have not been particularly evil. So I don't know where he's getting all this from. You guys have just been very lawfully evil in this whole endeavor. You're like, everybody has a purpose, and that is to serve us. You see, Erlaid, the difference between us and them is they suck. Um, but yeah, he, he, he does say weight, that. Dead weight? Perhaps not. He fought with bravery, if not intelligence. So with that, he nods a couple times and he says, right, sorry, I'm just, my head's not clear right now. And he looks over at the giant heap of crystal and, and rocks and everything, and he just kind of gasps and he says, you defeated it? Of course. That's... We defeated it. He says, well, so then what do you need me for? Why don't you go claim your spoils, Len? Or that he lifts himself up slowly, pulling a hand back swiftly as he puts it down on a sharp piece of like a shard of glass on the floor. Goes unconscious and he again. Up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks yeah, that's, why, that's why I only gave him one. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get him there. <laughs> so he pulls himself up using the altar of support and he walks over and in the same way that Barrow burned his hand, the boy reaches in and grabs the stone and he lifts it up and he says, it feels strange, but I don't know. It's, it's like, and he points to a wall. And as he does, you can see some like of the crystal seems to grow and starts to like splinter and fracture into different forms and shapes as he points to it. And he pulls his hand back and he looks to you guys and he says, Oh my gods, look at that. I just did that. Indeed. It's incredible. Absolutely. We'll be able to put this power to great use once we return to the surface. He says, you know, every night I would pray for a chance to be someone and to do great things. <laughs> and I knew the stars truly aligned when I met you. Sure, I'd lost everything. When Glenton Gabora fell, but maybe we can make a difference. If those people from 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 uh, from Glory Wake and I mean, Eagle Heart can do such greatness, imagine what we could do. I bet we're twice as strong as them. Indeed, I like your, I like your attitude, boy. It takes a certain kind to survive this amount of pressure and pain and come out with such determination on the other side. You'll go far. And with that, he just looks around at the litter on the floor and he points to some of the stones and he says, do you think these are worth anything? Yes, we can gather some up, perhaps. 
And we may be able to offer them to the uh, statues in the foyer. Get some healing. You look quite rough. Soon as the Sturk started saying we could gather some up, and Darcy starts scooping some into his bags. <laughs> the bag rips and tears open. All the stones fall right back out. But with that, as you guys are standing there, um, all of a sudden, um, Erlaid looks past you guys, and he points in the distance of the two doors into the sort of the priestly chamber there behind you. And as you guys turn to look behind you, you see ghostly visages of three people come sprinting into this chamber, looking behind them as if something chased them in. And they rush up behind some of the podiums and look in terror at whatever could be behind them. And they just sort of stand there for a few moments before dissipating into smoke. What did the ghostly... Did they look like anyone? Elves? People? Um... No, I mean, they just looked like humans wearing robes. Okay, great. Well, it seems perhaps the sooner we get out of here, the better. That early just kind of gives a very, very spooked nod and grabs a handful of gemstones and puts them into his pouch and starts to run. Uh, and Darcy's going to fall back a little from them and quickly check the captain for like keys and stuff. See if he has anything that we might need. Yeah. He has a silver blade on him and a, a scroll, a scroll, what's it called? Scroll, scroll case. Sorry. With like five different scrolls inside of it. I'll just I'll take it. Vidarsh can't read. He <laughs> just scarfs it. I, yeah. <laughs> it's a scroll. That's not for me. It's for research. Um, so with that, uh what an idiot. So uh also quick note to Ben Darshi. Of the gemstones that you find in the in the pile as they're scooping them up, one particular pair of um emeralds that you find in here are each worth twenty five hundred gold pieces and look to be of like a, a, such an impossible clarity. That like you don't think that there's two gemstones like this on this part of the uh, this part of the world, um, but yeah. So Erlaid jumped up and starts running for the door. Um, Bendarshi grabs the stuff off the captain, and the rest of the party follow after Erlaid. And Erlaid makes it to the door when he stops abruptly and starts turning around and running, just as the ghosts did. What is it? And he says. Home guard at the top of the stairs. I see. Oh. So with that, a couple of uh, fully plated soldiers come marching down the stairs around the corner and come into this chamber, but they too look to be ghostly. And as they walk into the room, their ghostly voices carry in the air like a strange smoke, and their voices warble in the distance as they yell out and they say, You cannot run from us, priests of Athmanes. This place now belongs to us. The Tome Guard are here to protect you. Submit or be slain. And so the ones behind the posts start making a run for the doors in the back where the crystals are. 
and it seems like each one of them gets cut down by ghostly lightning bolts that arc through the sky and crash into each one of them and they fall to the ground with a puff of smoke. Uh, Baro is going to spend a use of his divine sense. Do they seem to be genuine undead? Yeah, they would definitely seem to be like a lesser poltergeist where there seemed to be more of like an imprint into this place as if perhaps the energies let forward from that cavern of crystal or from somewhere else inside of this place. Like these are just reliving painfully some sort of like ghostly memory of what's going on. Because the sense that you get from this place is like as soon as the visages disappear into smoke, that sense of like their energy dissipates with them. So it's like, you know what I mean? If they were true, like a true ghost, they would still give off a presence around you, invisible or not. But these seem to have like dissipated as if like a spell effect. Nothing Uh, but a memory. No need to fear. I'm sorry you had to see that early, but something... We've all known for a long time the Tome Guard, as I said, can be quite blunt in their deliverance of what they consider justice. And with that, he just kind of looks confused and then looks angry for a minute. And he says, well, let's get out of here. And he starts marching for the stairs again. And so with that, the party, unless anybody had any plans of taking any detours on the way out. Can we drop we some to... of the gemstones we grabbed onto the healing statues? Try and get some hey. HP. If you guys take the five minutes to do so with all the mixed match gems that you had found, not even the ones that Jared had found that were worth a ton, but just handfuls, <laughs> you guys are able to fully heal the entire party. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's five minutes well spent. <laughs> Fucking captain. <laughs> Just dead in a heap on the floor downstairs. <laughs> Not even wearing any of his gear anymore. And <laughs> you guys are like, well, get good next time, I guess. You could have yeah. gotten heels if you didn't die, you big baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. Told you not to shoot that arrow. Like, specifically. Really said, any do anything but that. And he didn't listen. And that's on him. And that acid damage killed him. So with that, the party march up the stairs to the secret door leading to the spell sanctum's lower parts here. Uh, who's in charge of leading this group up the stairs? Uh, I imagine Bendarshi would probably go first. And then it would be um, Barrow with uh, Vesturch and Erlade. Okay. So with that, as Bendarshi goes up to the top and pushes the bricks of the secret door wall back into place, as he had seen before, the door slides open just a crack. And as you push it open just a crack, you can see beyond the main hallways that led to this place seem to be completely dead empty and dark. Now, I always know. Uh, what is it? Uh, how many hours left before the next sunrise or sunset? What what time would it have been about coming out? I I think it's about sunset because okay. you guys went in there early in the day. Okay, that checks out. So, with that in mind, did you guys want to just walk out of there like nothing happened? Yeah, basically. Yeah fucking hell so that 
uh, Ben Darcy leading the group down a couple of separate hallways here pops out to the main library like heart where there's that big circular desk where the head librarians were but at this point there's nobody and seeing this place utterly empty even if it is the second time you've ever seen this series of hallways it's very eerie how quiet and empty this place is what would you like to do uh, Ben Darcy's gonna like put up a hand to have them wait a second. He's gonna try and stealth up ahead and kind of scout the area. Okay. Um, so as you wander about and walk towards where like the main entrance is, where the columns are and all that, you can look outside and see that as the sun's setting, there are dozens of people in groups and clusters outside of the main entrance to this place, many of them wielding torches that are being lit, and many of them wielding things like clubs and shears and whatnot, and they all seem to be just marked in like a circle around this place. Amongst their ranks, you can tell, are some tome guard, as well as uh, various people who worked inside the library, and they all just seem to be standing there staring up into the place. So they're staring up into what? Like up at the up at the entrance, like because oh, the place okay. is kind of like a. Uh, how do I want to say this? Like kind of like a ancient Roman sort of build with like columns, and then it goes to like the inner building. So they're outside oh, of the main okay. steps and looking up at the place. So you peeked around by like where the columns are and looked down, and nobody could see you. Was there any like weird light or anything coming from their general area? Nothing strange. No. Oh, okay. No, no weird light. Just looks like gathered mobs. I will rush back to the group and let them know that that they seem to be gathering out front. I don't know why. Can you find us another exit, Bendarshi? I can try. Uh... Uh, I guess Pandarshi's going to go look around for another exit. Okay. So as Bendarshi is wandering around looking for another exit, you come across one of the farther hallways that leads to one of like the secondary libraries, and you anticipate that there must be another way out. But as you go over to where one of the secondary libraries are, you can hear in the distance the sounds of like clanking feet on the marble floors as if a wandering troop of armed and armored people seem to be wandering about like looking for something or somebody. As you can tell from peeking around the corner looking that they seem to be like in, in a tight cluster. And it appears to be Tome Guard armed with their swords. I'm going to hide in the library then if i okay. can time yeah, yeah go ahead uh so 18 okay okay and so um where would you like to hide this is kind of like a pretty standard library with just giant shelves ladders leading up to like secondary shelves as well as like a ring around the top part in this place where there's like a whole second floor of more shelves but apart from that it's just you know kind of cliche library what do you hide like on top behind under between uh it's pretty dark in here right you said like all the lights are uh, okay I, i'd probably hide up top 
he has the reach and stuff and can probably jump that right. high that he can just, just get to the second. Yeah. Just orangutan pull-up bar himself to the second half. Um, and so once they're hanging out up top and looking down and peering at them, a group of about five or six of these guys seems to be wandering the grounds of the library down here. And as they seem to be walking past you about five minutes into you hiding, one of them turns around. And as they're looking around at the upper levels, it appears, I hate this because I rolled a 19, but one of them seems to point up on the extra, the second loft there. And he says, wait, up there, what's that? And they seem to be pointing directly at you. Oh, hello, I'm here with the captain. And they say, here with the captain, we know what you are all about. The mayor told us himself. Ben Darcy jumps down and strikes. Just flying kung fu kick to that. Yeah. <laughs> Suck my butt. Just flying through the air. Yeah, okay. By all means. Uh, <laughs> was he surprised by me jumping down? Um, No, but the height will give you advantage. Oh, beautiful. Uh, fuck, one away from a crit. 27 to hit. Yeah, that's good. And? Uh, it's such low numbers. Um, 14 damage. Okay. Yeah, 14 is enough to smack this guy square to the ground, knocking him dead on impact. Uh, and with that, I will move and I'll use my bonus action to hide it uh, like in between the bookshelves. So as you spring in and do that, uh, the remaining four of the Tome Guard who just saw their friend get like head stomped into the ground by a flinging orangutan thief monster... Uh, they scream in terror and start <laughs> shouting for help in the secondary library. And they run past you and start running the whole way back. The rest of the party that were in the main area hear a group of running people screaming that they need help. Um, what would you guys like to do? Uh, where do they seem to be coming from? The direction Bendarshi came from, where it went to. Uh, so Barrow is going to go put himself like directly in their path so that they sort so that they just sort of run directly onto his waiting weapon okay yeah so as <laughs> did you want to like spring out at them to catch one with like a stab as they run into it or are you saying you're going to pop out and like threaten them yeah let's start with being threatening okay go ahead and roll an intimidate check i'll give you advantage because bendarshi was definitely the scariest part of the encounter the search will walk up behind Barrow, too. Yeah, and Erlade with flaming crossbow and crystal in hand. Uh, that's going to be a 14 to intimidate. Okay, and that was at advantage? Yep. So, trembling, they look to you guys and they say, listen, we don't want any trouble, okay? You just, the Baron told us what you did, and you have to face justice. It doesn't have to end like this. What we did, what are you talking about? The bewitchment. You 
and they point to Vesturch, say, he's the one. He cradled the Baron with lies, cast spells upon him. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it to each of you. Did I cast any spells on the Baron? I don't remember. No. no. All right. Vesturch is pretty annoyed. That. He's like, hey, listen, your boss? Hell yeah, casted the shit out of that spell. The Baron, fucking, he didn't like you anyway. Yeah, I, or that they I say le- left a loose end like that. So with that, the uh, they mentioned they're like, and our captain has been missing ever since. We assume you did something to him. You must face justice. And they point outside to the main front where they say, the Baron awaits. Do you see, Erlade, what they do? We had, you were there. I had an honest conversation with the Baron. I spoke with the captain. They both helped us. Now, one is dead, unfortunately. And the other makes us out to be charlatans. Would that one of the one of the tome guard yells out they say the captain is dead and he pulls out his blade and aims it directly at Vesturch. And before anybody can do anything, Erlade aims the crystal in his hand towards him, and the man freezes in place and lets out the most pained gasp of terror as it sounds like his own body has become paralyzed and blood begins to slowly trickle out of his ears, his nose, and out of his tear ducts in his eyes, and you see his body start to become more rigid and crunch as it seems like the blood inside of him is beginning to crystallize in form, and Erlaid pulls his hand back with the crystal with a look of terror and goes like, no, 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 and sees the man fall to the ground with a crunchy thud, and the three now remaining in this horror movie of a patrol scream in terror and make a run for the door. If you have an attack of opportunity you'd like to use, by all means do. I'm going to use Erupting Earth on the three of them. Yeah, good good work, boy. Uh, Barrow is actually going to try to capture one of them in a grapple. Yeah, by all means, I'll let you do that. Because he got the Intimidate, I'll say one of them Scooby-Doo shuffles first, so he's like... So you can catch the guy who's too slow. So I'll let you have advantage on the uh, attempt. All right, that's an athletics check? Yep. Uh, 26. Yeah, you sure do grab him. You grab him literally by the scruff of his neck. Like, the guy didn't even manage. You didn't tackle him. You literally just grab him and lift him off the ground. So the, uh, what did you do? The erupting earth? What was it? Yeah, so on the last two, I'll cast erupting earth on them. Hell does that do? So I need to make a DC 16 deck save. Good. I also appreciate that the entire party managed to kill, like, at least or subdue one character. Even Ben Darcy in the other fucking room just totaled a guy like a fucking car just into the fucking ground. Yeah, and then just just gone. (laughs) Bye bye. (laughs) Uh, Both of them got below a 10. All right. They take 11 damage. Both of them die. So yeah. how did they die? What did the ground just erupt around their feet and they just like get slurped into it? I, yeah, I imagine in, on like spike growth and stuff where like it's spiky protrusions, erupting earth is much more blunt. So like 
almost like maybe like a column blows up yeah pretty much like a a couple columns just come through and get them by the legs and just completely crush both their legs and they just drop dead from shock good good that great that's what i wanted and early um at this point uh, now that borrow has one in his grasp early starts to cry and he says, I didn't mean to do it. He says, at least if we just killed the guy, he'd be dead. But like he suffered that whole time. Look at him. And then the guy that Borrow has, he's like, dear Lord, help me. Somebody let me go. Listen, listen to me, Erlaid. You saw them draw their sword on me and tried to protect me. And there's nothing wrong with that. They, they were trying to harm us for no reason. You saved us. Well, there's no room for for tears on a battlefield, boy. When it's between them and you, you, uh, choosing you is always the right choice. Now, Tome Guard, how else can we get out of here besides the main exit? With that, he looks back and forth amongst all of you guys, and he says, Ah, Okay. There's one way I know of. Um, Actually, back, while, while back... he's talking, just to be really disrespectful, Bandarshi or uh, the search is just gonna do like a very specific whistle to summon Bandarshi back. So Bandarshi just shows up behind him, yeah, full speed <laughs> while he's talking. <laughs> so yeah, um, he, he can continue. So at this point, he says, "Uh." Well, if you go the way that, oh, dear God. And then he sees Bandarshi come trucking up to him. And he says, that way, the one, the way that that one came from, there's a side passage we can take outside. I knew it. Let's go then. With that, he starts to sweat under Barrow's grasp. And he says, what, you're going to take me with you? Yes. Of course. What other insurance uh, do we have that you're not leading us into some trap? He says, well, right. Okay. And so he just kind of slacks up a little bit and keeps walking under your firm metaled grasp. And the entire group walks back the way that Bendarshi was. And he points down one of the passages of the shelves and he says, back there, there's a door to the outside. All right, come along then. So that you guys walk over to the door, and it seems like a fully functional door. I check it for traps. Okay. Go ahead and roll it. What would that be? The investigation? No. um, If you have thieves tools, you'd be rolling that with that proficiency. And then you can roll it with an intelligence uh, as your modifier base. So an intelligence check plus proficiency if you have thieves tools. Okay, it's going to be the same as my investigation anyway. Oh, wow. 25? Okay. Yeah, this door does not seem to be trapped at all. It seems locked from the outside in. So all you have to do is kind of just like lift the latch on it. Aren't we inside going out? Right. Locked yeah, from, from the, the out, 
inside out. No, yeah, the yeah, inside to the out, it's locked. Okay, <laughs> outside to the in. Yeah. <laughs> the outside can, cannot. You cannot get in from the outside. I see. Okay, there uh, you go. And I'll put my ear to it just to listen to see if I hear anyone immediately outside. But I imagine I probably don't. But go ahead and roll for the perception check. Uh, 22. You hear a mob of people on the other side of the door. Not super close, but close enough. And it sounds like this guy was just walking you out another one of the front doors to a group of people. And as he sees you uh, put your ear to I the door strap, and look back and at him. goes over and stabs him. <laughs> oh no. Him. Yeah, did, did you lie to us? And he says, you people are scum. Scum of the earth. This is the reason why we regulate these magics. Look at you. Look what you've done. What we've done. You came into this place and slaughtered the priests here simply for worshipping their god. What? We did no such thing. Yeah. Those, that's, that's not, no, I didn't do anything. The organization you swear your fealty to is no more clean or just than us. You thought Bendarshi was going to stab him too? Did you roll for that? I, I did not yet because as soon as those guys started talking, Bendarshi will wait until they're done. <laughs> yeah, Mr. I that was good enough note to end on. He yeah. really thinks about it and then pulls out the captain's sword and just like waves it in the guy's face and stabs. <laughs> He's like, oh, you didn't even turn on the magical effect. It's secrets will be... Uh, Baro just you... lets the corpse fall to the ground. Okay. And with that, he just drops with a thud and Erlade looks at him and Erlade looks at all of you guys with a, a new sense of respect looking at you guys as being very misunderstood and walking your own line. And he says, when you say that you're just as just as they are, what did that mean, Vesturch? Because they don't seem very just to me at all. It means that what they believe in is not wrong, but the way they Pursue it is out of line. What I believe in and the way I pursue it, I believe is just. I wonder if you believe the same. What what do you believe and how do you pursue it? That might be a discussion better served for another time. And so with that, you guys can hear the sound of more boots coming in from the distance, clanking on the marble steps as if walking into the main entrance in the main hall. And it sounds like they'll be probably where you guys are in about two minutes or so of walking. So what would you guys like to do at this point? Seems we need to make our move and we're not getting out of here secretly. Well, I have some means of escape for myself and perhaps one other of you, but it'll be difficult to get all of us out of here. 
Erlade looks to the stone in his hand and he says, perhaps I can make good use of this. Be careful relying on that stone's power, Erlade. I wouldn't want you to do any more harm than your heart could take. Uh, you know, insulation. I don't know how many NPCs you're allowed to kill before it stops working. Yeah. <laughs> and what? Phone. <laughs> and we need to find uh, someone else. <laughs> besides, best not. A powerful display of magic is more than like to bring even more down on our heads as we try to flee than fewer. He says, well, if they're scared of us, maybe we can just run. They won't try to pursue us because they're terrified. Maybe we can do something to scare them even more. Cause chaos. Alarm. I like your thinking. What do you have in mind? He just kind of shrugs and he says, I, I don't know. Perhaps Vesturch has magic. Vesturch, how do you feel about explosions? Mm, they've always been a bit over the top for my taste, but suppose they have a time and a place. So in chaos and confusion is just that time and place. What have you got? Are any of these Wait useful? And Bendarshi dumps the scrolls in front of a starch. What do we got? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, as far as the scrolls at your feet, let's hope you got a good one. We have... Uh, oh, that's not great. Uh, we have Death Ward... Um, spike growth, create food and water, and aid. All right. Well, we can use spike growth at the very least to cover anyone coming from inside to get us. So, yeah, for search, we'll immediately pick up spike growth and cast it on the ground, uh, leading up into because we're like down a hallway, right. Yeah, he'll he'll cast it on the ground towards the far end of the hallway, so it covers going down the hallway a bit and exploding out from the top of it. So that should they unless they are there when I cast it, they won't be able to see it unless they make a perception check. So they'll at least run into that. Um, so at I'll, this point, early as you're casting this, asks you a question. He kind of like comes up behind you and he's like. When they say that you bewitched the mayor or the baron, you didn't do that to him. Did you do that to the captain? Why do you ask? What? No. Well, I. You said you have your 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 ways that you do the things you do. Did you bewitch me? Do you? feel bewitched or laid he says he just shakes his head and he says no but if bewitching the the baron is what it takes to get out of here and you are good at it perhaps you can just do that i promise you i did not do any such thing to the baron well, we had an honest conversation and Perhaps he came to regret it. Reasons for reasons I do not understand. We have always Are... been here on a mission for the queen. 
Right. Maybe. maybe well, perhaps you can bewitch him now. It maybe the Tome Guard are bewitching him now. So, because why would he change his mind so suddenly? Mandarsh. He, uh, he could just be a coward who isn't willing to admit that he played ball with somebody other than the local powers. Mandarsi, can you check on the other side of the door and see how close the closest Tome Guard is to us? Yeah. I uh, can... He looks over at Erlid and is like, uh, if there's a bunch of them, maybe that crystal might be useful when I open the door. And Bendarshi's going to open the door as quiet as he can to take a quick look. And you see that there's not really much of a stairwell that leads down from here, but this is definitely, for like all intents and purposes, a back door. So the closest people you can see must be at least like 100 feet away. And they're in like a cluster on the side road, um, the main road that leads over to this place. There's like an offshoot that leads to a well, and there's a group of like six or eight people, but none of them appear to be Tome Guard. Barrow, how quickly can you move? I can close probably 30 feet. Uh, in a given round, human speed. All right. We... I'm thinking, I'm starting to think maybe the best thing we can do is a more frontals. Vindarshi, none of the people out this door uh, are Tome Guard. Yep. Perhaps they'd be willing to offer satisfaction. Perhaps, or we could flee into the uh, night. How, how willing are people uh, in this part of Amaroth willing to settle legal matters by duel? We do have those gems, too. We, we could, could try pay paying them. them off, yeah. I mean, they'd probably be a lot more receptive to the gems, judging by the fact that it's wartime where they are right now. And most of these people are going to be uh, influx with refugees from Glenn and Gaborah moving in soon. So having that extra bit of wealth would definitely help with the market. A duel, however, I don't know that that would work out as well. I think the Baron has very well proven himself to be something of a... Uh, a man who doesn't care much about duplicitous, that kind of stuff. one might say. Well, yeah, but you know, I Raven. Figured, <laughs> you know, if you know it's fought out in public in front of witnesses, and there's not a lot of chances for him to go back on it, that that could be our way to get off free legally. Yeah, but if all the witnesses are just home guards, I... <laughs> well, all right, then I think we can probably just pay these guys off. We'll do that, but if things go bad or late, I have a way to get you out of here. Bendarshi, I know you'll be fine on your own. Barrow, I'll do everything I can to make sure you escape as well. Well, if things go poorly, um, Barrow gives them, you know, like, you know, some, you know, coordinates and landmarks and software's current mercenary company is camped. They'll at least see you back to the capital. So that's the meetup spot. Yes. If we can't all escape, we we will. 
Okay, let's do it. So, as the party walk out the back door, it doesn't seem like anybody in that tight group even notice you at all. Let's just keep going then. <laughs> so the group start walking out, and as the group sort of uh, in a very fast yet like in like inconspicuous way start running, somebody yells out and says, "Hey, who's that over there?" But at this point, you guys are already like 300, 500 feet away and are able to duck down a side passage down a road and are able to get well out of anybody's sight or vision. Um, in the last session, Barrow had set aside a very particular hiding house if you guys wanted to drop by a spot that was an abandoned house to like let the heat cool down. But it kind of seems like at this point, if you guys just stop over the gold potion, the uh, local inn, you could just steal some horses and get the hell out of here. We had horses on the way in anyway. Where do we keep yeah. those? Probably the gold potion. Yeah, so we can just go there and steal. Yeah, they were yours. Yeah, yeah we can scoop <laughs> well, those up. Uh, uh, Barrow's horse was 100% his. It was a summoned steed. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, a fiendish war horse. Spicy. So yeah. the party rush to the gold potion, hop on horseback, and ride off into the night back to, I suppose, where they were supposed to meet for the meetup, um, which would be back in Mossren, over at the uh, the the tavern where you guys had begun this side quest. Um, <clears throat> so with that, um, the party for the next couple days travel, I imagine, through the night, um, hoping to stop back over at that tavern. Um, and as the party manage um, on their travel to get to this place, uh, on the third day, uh, and this is at the uh, Flying Buttress in Denvilboro, the um, the party stop off here at the tavern where you guys see the innkeeper who was pretty well used to having to clean up terrible messes. And after seeing you guys laser beam the Christ out of those tome guard the first time you were here, mm -hmm. he sees you guys when you enter and gives sort of a nod and hurriedly hands over a um, a letter to you guys. And he kind of gives a very apologetic look as he hands it over. And once you guys crack it open and read it, the information inside is not exactly thrilling as they instead uh, tell you that they will not be here to meet with you for the rendezvous. Uh, instead, they mention that you guys will be meeting at a different spot and it will be along a main road that connects um, over towards where Cooperford is um, sort of in like central Amaroth, North central. Um, but yeah, after having heard this, everybody in the group is pretty well aware of where that is. But the question is, would you like to stay here for the evening and gather your uh, like, you know, some food materials and stuff like that for the road? Or did you want to just head back out? We can I mean, get the force marching for a couple of nights. It's probably good to rest. Well, right. Uh, Vesearch has tiny hut, so we sleep comfortably on the road. Vesearch would be more comfortable do. just getting um any food and supplies we need, and then heading out again instead of okay, risking yeah. a night in the tavern. Yeah, uh, Barbaro is definitely no stranger to long marches, so uh, he he's swayed okay. by that argument. Okay, um. So at that point, um, where you guys are uh, over 
in uh, Denverboro. Heading over to Cooperford, it's not going to be too long of a of a trek. Um, oh, sorry, not to Cooperford, over to Mossren. So the party uh, are instructed to follow the road to Cooperford, and the in between point between Cooperford and Mossren is where you're supposed to be headed. Okay, perfect. So at this point, um, another three days of hard travel uh, wear hard on the party. And you can tell that as the days go by, <clears throat> Erlaid seems to be going through a lot of emotional turmoil. And it seems like he starts to become much more quiet as the days go on. Um, but as you guys stop in Cooperford and see that this place is doing well to protect itself as well from the uh, onslaught of the uh, Herald of Steel, as you guys are traveling down the road to Mosren, you guys can tell that you've reached something of the meeting spot, a very particular patch in a field um, near Mosren. Um, and the field has an encampment of different uh, tents set up and fires set up, as well as like a very, very large clearing in the center where there seems to be a very big circular spot that's been well cleared out. Um, as you guys see this camp in the distance, what would you like to do? Uh, does Barrow recognize any of the banners or anything that are flying above the tents? No. In fact, really the only signifier you notice is that everybody here seems to be wearing the exact same metallic armor, but all of them seem to be rusted over in a way that seems like almost counter counter effective to wearing armor in the first place. And you, from what you can tell from like the overall setup of the campments, there's no cooking fires. There's no places where people would actually like, you know, like do the business and do the poopies and everything like that. Yeah. Like this is an encampment of like living dead essentially. And as you notice these, these like these little bits and notes here, it starts to kind of, you know, sink into Barrow that this encampment is not a typical mercenary encampment. <clears throat> this is the place that's the strangest camp I've ever seen. Mm, so it le leaves me uneasy as well. We should be on our toes. So if they have our gold. That's where I'm going. So it's very clear that there is, in fact, like one larger tent than the rest of them set up in sort of a leadership position in this near the center. Um, so would the party like to enter the encampment? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So as the party enter the camp on horseback, uh, a group of these rusted metallic beings approach and they look to be like corpses filled to the brim with hunks of sheet, like sheets and pieces of rusted metal poking in and out of different parts of their body. But as they approach you guys, one of them speaks forward in a very ugly, raspy, metallic tone. And he says, who are you and what is your business in the camp? We're invited. Um, on, whose, on whose invitation? Barrow will, I guess, ask Vesturch for the letter. Yeah, Vesturch will present it. And so as you as you do, you hand it over to the strange little metallic squat man. He looks it over angrily and walks off to the largest camp, leaving a group of these other guys in attendance around you. And finally, the guy comes back out and he walks over to you and says, he awaits 
it is best not to keep him waiting. And so the party is marched over to the tent, told to dismount horses, and the group enter this large tent. And as you walk into this particularly dark camp tent, um, you see a man wearing dark robes over and with a hood over his head, standing, looking off into the, the darkness at a table with a large map on it. And as you guys enter, his voice sounds like the sound of wind blowing over a lot of like metallic tubes as it sort of whistles where there should be teeth instead letting out a very strange hissing kind of hollow noise. And as he turns in your general direction, he says, have you gathered what I asked? And as he turns around, he looks to be something of a skeleton completely enshrouded and draped in like steel, shiny, but also incredibly menacing. And as he walks towards you guys, you can tell the immense power radiating from this being is palpable in a very terrifying way. And with that, he looks over each and every one of you and his eyes fixate on Erlaid. And he kind of smiles, if ever this strange metallic undead could, and pulls back his hood and he says, are you afraid of me? And Erlaid immediately looks to Vesturch for some sort of idea of how to answer this sort of question. And he looks back and he says, I'm not afraid of anything. And with that, he just kind of slowly looks to the rest of you and says, you have trained him well. He is so pure of heart. Does he carry the stone? Yes. Go him. Erlaid instinctively pulls from his pocket the red stone, which seems to pulsate and throb in his hands. The strange metallic being takes a step back, almost blinded by the light and the sight of the stone. And he points to Erlaid and says, you have done well. I am impressed, but I'm sure that means very little to you. All of a sudden, there seems to be a whole bit of like, uh, noise and and um, pandemonium going out in the tent outside of the tent in the camp as the sound of a bunch of horses freaking out seems to draw the attention of everybody outside but finally the clip clopping seems to come at like full speed sprint over to the tent and dismounting this horse a short woman with dark hair comes darting into the tent and pulls back her hood as well completely ignoring the entire group of you guys and walks over to the strange metallic being and gives a bit of a nod and she says, as she looks over to you guys, did they bring the thing? You know, the one we've been looking for. And everybody here recognizes this woman to be the queen of Amroth, the queen Alvir Garavar. And she looks to you guys with a very, very regal smile and a slight curtsy, kind of giggling to herself as she does so. I imagine Bendar, she begins to simp as well. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> Oh, he's not for starch. <laughs> Ew. But with that, um, Erlaid looking and seeing the queen just kind of dips down a bow and he says, my queen. And she looks to him and spits at the ground in front of his feet and says, stop with that. Now give me the stone. And with that, the strange metallic being puts a hand in front of her and holds out his own hand. Erlaid looks over at Vesturch again and again, looking almost like for permission, 
He holds the stone out as if he's about to hand it over. No. We all were promised different things. My friend Barrow here wants his gold. And me and Bendarshi, well, we know of several ruins that have been off limits to anybody within the Amarathian border. We want permission to explore, extract, and do whatever we please in those ruins. So with that, this metallic being grasps the stone from Erlade's hand and pulls it back like a, like a cobra's quickness. And as he holds it in his hand, the queen says, you will have everything you want and more when we are done with what we need to do. Your money waits on my horse. And the permission to the ruins, I, I don't care. You have my permission, if that works for you. And with that, the uh, Herald of Steel steps forward and walks past you guys out of the tent and out to that circle in the middle of the grounds. And he walks towards this thing with the stone in hand and it begins to radiate in his hands. And as he does walk out there, early to the rest of you guys are sort of pulled to follow after him just because he walks in such a way that it's like, I don't know, like he just lit a firework and he's like, come check this out. And so he just walks out of the tent with the Roman candle in hand. And then as he does so, the party go walking after him and he says, Research, Barrow, Bindashi. I have a question for you that I need you to answer before I offer any reward or show you my truest of plans here. I ask you, is it better to lead or to follow? Hello. I will always be the one leading from behind. Every man needs something to believe in. Whether it's a god, a noble, or a captain. Nobody is without leadership. And with that, he turns to you guys again and he says, do you fear the leaders you mentioned? And do you follow out of fear for those who lead you? Or do you follow them because you are too weak to be in charge? Do you lead in the shadows because you're afraid to be the face? The only thing that leads me is my curiosity. All else falls before that. I don't need to be the face of anything so long as the questions I have get their answers. I follow whoever lets me fulfill my passions. Doesn't matter who. I follow the starch. Research gives Bendarshi a head pat. All that height above you. But with that, he says, so I offer you a chance to be part of something more, something greater, where all of your dreams will come true. And if not your dreams, then the dreams of everyone around you who you love. 
If you could be in a position where you grant everyone all of their greatest desires for peace and happiness and the pursuits of passions, would you not follow that course? That's all I've ever done. No, so. I care nothing for those around me and their passions. It is the questions that I want answered that matter most. With that, he looks to you and he smiles in that freakish, creepy, lipless kind of way. And he turns to Erlade and he says, boy, why do you follow Vesturch? And in a very shaky way, he just kind of looks and says, he has taught me so much. I've learned so much from him. And he's just, I want to be a hero. And I think that he's the only one who could truly teach me to do that sort of thing. And with that, he just kind of shakes his head a couple of times and he says, he will teach you nothing. I see his soul and it is black as night. But I care not for that. Customs of morality are foolish, short-sighted. Do you wish to see peace on this realm? And early, just not even understanding the gravity of such a question, just kind of nods a couple times. And he <laughs> says, if you could be the one who sets in motion everything for the salvation of this place, this world we call home, would you do it? And he looks around. And he thinks of the captain dead in the ground down at the fucking place that you guys left him. And he says, personal sacrifice is sometimes a necessary cause. It's, it's a necessary cost, right? And he looks over Vesturch and Barrow and Bandarshi and looking for nods of approval. Right? <laughs> I mean, Vesturch, so, now that he is this close to getting what he, or already got his payment, has no interest in this anymore. He's <laughs> he's fully checked out. He's just like, as soon as this guy stops talking, I'm leaving. I know where I'm going. So with that, he just kind of sees you sort of checking out of the conversation at this point, like, yeah, 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 whatever. So with that, he says, well, I mean, I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe I have been a little quick to, to make these decisions. And with that, the Herald of Steel points the gemstone at him as he stands within the circle. And he says, perhaps you have. And all of a sudden, Erlade, like takes on that same paralyzed look that the other guy did back at the, uh, the spell sanctum. And Erlade's skin begins to sheen over as the blood starts to like reach the skin. And all of a sudden he starts to harden and turn to sort of like a carbonized kind of look of himself as he hardens over with metal and crystal becoming sort of like a, a frosted kind of stony metallic glass kind of hue. And his whole body begins to harden. And he has this look of utter desperation and pain as he looks to Vesturch to save him with both of his hands aimed in his direction. And as the Herald of Steel holds the stone begins to kind of smirk and smile to himself and laugh. He says, the future is ours. And all I ask is the sacrifice necessary to complete all of our goals. You will have that passion, all of it fulfilled in a world 
perfected in my image. You just need to trust me. Those who lead will fail. Those who follow will fail. But if we join together as one, no leaders, no followers, unity, we will all succeed. Do you join me or will I lead you? Research is going to Misty Step as far back as possible, activate his wing boots and try and fly off. He's fucking out of here. What about Bendarshi? Bendarshi will figure it out. Oh. oh, Jared, you're muted. As soon as Vesturch goes, Bandarshi's going to sprint off as well. So, as this happens, shards of metal seem to be ripping out of the guts of all the different soldiers he has around here, and he just starts throwing these metallic bolts at both of you guys as you start darting away. Um, I'm going to throw just a couple of them for, for right off the bat, just because that misty step's definitely going to catch him off guard. Um but I hit with a 25, I imagine. Do I hit with a 15 on Versturge? Uh, no, I'll shield. Okay. So with that, uh, he deals a quick 15 points of damage with one of those bolts. To who? To just Versturge for right now. Okay. And Darcy's not going to have as many opportunities to get away. Oh, that's so sad. Ben Darcy comes running after. Are you just running? I imagine the the horses are right there too, right? True. Yeah. Okay. So, can you do me a favor and roll me a Constitution saving throw? I mean, he's also a rogue, so he can move a crazy amount in one round. Yeah, like a hundred and twenty sure. feet around. Sure. Sure. Actually, I think it's a hundred and. 80 because you have 45 yeah, movement, right? Yeah, uh, 40. Okay, so it's 160. Yeah, okay. I'm just using the stone the way the stone works. Uh, what saving throw? Constitution. Uh, 16. Okay. So as you hop on horseback and start to speed off, you can feel your bones start to harden up as you're trying to like whip the reins on the horse and trying to buck it to go even faster off into the woods to chase after wingy boots, man. I'm going to need you to make another constitution saving throw as you feel your body begin to harden up. Uh, 13. Rough. And with that, Bandarshi hardens even more to the point that your consciousness begins to slip away from you. And in a hollow dream state, the only thing you truly recall is the feeling of a heavy thump as you numbly land on the ground and look up at the sky and the stars that begin to twinkle in the sky as the night begins to take shape. Um, Barrow or Barrow is the only one left here at the camp next to the queen and the Herald of Steel and now crystallized Erlaid. Uh, what does Barrow do during this? He's the only uh, one who just, didn't try to speed out of there, so that's why uh, uh, he just stands and watches stoically. Okay, and so the Herald of Steel, not even, not even attempting any further, sees Vesturch fly off into the sky and doesn't look back. Bendarshi's laying there in a horse riding position, a little horse stance out there, laying on its back. 
And he looks over to Borrow at this point, and he says, So, will you join me and save the world from itself, or will I lead you? So long as you go where the war and the money is, I'll go with you. You have me, and you have my band. The last thing that you recall hearing with your living ears is the sound of the queen cackling behind you as you feel your skin begin to harden and rip across your skull and your flesh as metal bars fly from all ends and pierce you and pull at your flesh, replacing all of the insides you had and all the bones you had with a harsh, rusted metal reality. And as you adopt this new psychological stance of metallic self, the queen walks over to you with horns upon her head, strange barbs coming from her skin, and feline-ish eyes. She looks over to you and gives you a small kiss on the cheek as you fall to the ground with a thud. And the Herald of Steel walks over to you, lifts his hand, and as if a puppet on strings, Borrow lifts up off the ground in all of his black metal armor with his spooky helmet and everything. Now, metallic, the Herald of Steel points to you as many of his metallic little beings are encircling around Erlade, touching arms and calcifying in the same way. He turns to Borrow, leans into him, and he says, Who do you serve? The Herald of Steel. And with that, we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.